Hey guys, this is Alora, Nicole, and Virginia, and we're back with a new episode of Jane, Jane on, on the, the Air. Air. To kick off our discussion this evening of Jane Eyre, we're going to be looking at Charlotte Bronte, the author of this novel. Yeah, so Charlotte Bronte was born in Thorn, England on April 21st in 1816. And sadly, her mother died when she was very young, which we, we see this reflected in Jane Eyre as both of her parents, they did die of typhus when she was a young child. And so I think that also goes, comes into play, but the whole thing of her father be, being a priest. We see the issue of morality and religious and the Christianity aspect in the book as we deal with Mr. Brocklehurst, even Helen, and even Sinjin, her cousin, and how she plays this idea of those who are follow Christianity word for word, word for word on the rule side, like Mr. Brocklehurst, is very harsh and not as very moral, kind of like the Pharisees. However, people like Helen, who followed God and followed Jesus in the way of loving everyone, Jane deemed them as weak, and I think the issue of religiousness and Christianity really goes to show of how Charlotte Bronte battled with her, her father being a priest. Not to mention she had five siblings, Maria, Elizabeth, Patrick, Emily, and Anne. However, Elizabeth and Maria died while Charlotte was very, very young, which is extremely terrible. I could never imagine that. I also have, uh, I have six siblings actually, and I don't know, I just, that would ruin me definitely. So I definitely feel for, for Charlotte and Emily as we've read We've read books from both of them. And she also attended a school in which things were very much like described as Lowood, which is just extremely interesting. And I think just her childhood had a great impact on just how she wrote the book in general. That's a great point, Alora. So I want to elaborate a little bit more on her time at her school. So like Alora said, her school is very much like similar to Lowood. So Charlotte experienced a very strict upbringing where she had teachers that really challenged her academically to push her to become the writer that we see in Jane Eyre. Um, and through this school experience, she was able to grow as a person, though she still struggled with the death of her two sisters. So while Charlotte was still a very young girl, her sisters Elizabeth and Maria died. And this is very similar to the death we see through Jane's friend Helen, where Jane bonds this almost familial connection with Helen, where she relies on her as a confidant, and they grow having intellectual and challenging conversations, yet she passes away, leaving Jane with this hole in her heart as she doesn't have this person that she deemed as family with her going forward as she's still finding out who she is and dealing with the rejection that she faced living with the reeds at gateshead um and further charlotte worked as a governess for for various schools and families which is similar to how we see jane's career progress after jane leaves lowood she does take up the post of a governess and a teacher which is something that charlotte obviously went through and she values knowledge which we see reflected in jane's pride that she takes in her work as even when she's struggling to realize who she is, she still possesses this love for learning. Going off of both what um, Alora and Nicole said, we can see a lot of Charlotte through Jane and her life story and all the things she's experienced that have helped her to write this novel. Um, Charlotte and her sisters Emily and Anne all became authors. Um, they wrote a poetry book together and they all used pseudonyms, Charlotte's being Cure Bell. Um, later when she did write Jane Eyre, she revealed her true identity. Um, the sisters also tried to start a school, but that kind of failed. So I think they really took on, um, their authorship after that and really focused on their work. And eventually Jane, um, got married and then she got pregnant, but she was very sick when she got pregnant. So sadly she died 
um, in Hawthorne, England on March 31st, 1855 due to all the pregnancy complications. But again, like all of us said, um, understanding Charlotte Bronte and the life she lived gives us a very good understanding of the character of Jane. Okay, so let's talk about our initial thoughts going into reading this novel. Um, I had always heard the name Jane Eyre and knew it was a book and thought I should read it, but never did I have the motivation to do it. But going into the book, I was kind of expecting it to just be this romance novel, kind of slow, kind of old-fashioned, but thought it could be interesting. To my surprise, there was actually a ton of action, ton of mystery. Um, it was a lot more violent and abrupt, I guess, than I was expecting. So it ended up being entertaining it was slow at some points and moved through the chapters with great detail but other than that it was a it was a great read yeah I, I totally agree with you Virginia I was on the I was I had the impression that it was going to be following this life of like this young girl dealing with like a neglection and abuse from like you know her aunt and kind of the emotional issues of losing her parents at a young age however when I, as, as we keep kept re reading it and getting further and further into it it was like a it was like a gothic Anne of Green Gables, which was extremely interesting because it took her life and had a more darker undertone of the ideals of with femininity and gender norms. And I just, it really kept me on edge. And I was so, I was so just curious of what was going to happen, how Jane was going to grow from all of these experiences. And I was just cheering her on and really hoping for the best for her. It was just, it was so interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, Laura, I love the like idea of femininity that you mentioned. I think that Bronte does this beautifully. She reflects what it means to be a woman, not only in the time that, you know, this book was set where Jane was growing up and learning what it meant to compare herself to others, but I think this is very topical and poignant for today's society as, you know, we were young girls and as we read the story of Jane, we learn how she copes with body image issues and seeing herself, you know, as someone who's lesser than and doesn't fit in anywhere in society. Um, coping with you know the case system and just knowing different classes and you know the classism that she experienced from her family so I think that the way that Bronte portrayed Jane is so real and so raw and really encompasses the plight of a female just at any time and it's just a story that transcends um, and I agree I think the book had a lot of like action and mystery and ways to keep readers intrigued yeah, that's a really um, interesting thing you brought up. I, going into this, did not think I would be able to view myself through Jane, but I really have. I feel like I have a, not a connection with her, but I do um, relate to her in so many ways and the struggles she's experiencing. And it was just good to read a story that is timeless, almost. Nothing... I mean, obviously times are different now than when this was written, but the issues are still the same. Yeah, I definitely agree, Virginia. I didn't really think how applicable it would be to like times of today as it was written, you know, like the 18, like middle 18, middle 1800s or like, you know, early 1800s. And I just, I didn't think it'd have that much idea of defying gender norms back then. And I just thought it was extremely interesting of like how Charlotte Bronte portrayed Jane as wanting to be able to fend for herself and like stand on her own two feet and I'm very much the same way like I don't want to have to depend on someone else and so it really just showed like the motivation that I guess I didn't realize people other women like really really felt back then I knew that some did however during that time period women were normally they just kind of got married and there weren't really many careers available to women and so I just I really loved seeing how applicable these issues are still today but I still think it shows how much we still need to fix today. And it's just, it was really interesting to read. Yeah, and Jane's ambitious and bold too. And she shows all these qualities that women should strive to encompass today. 
um, and back then. And I think that she brought out an interesting perspective, even in those moments of introspection when she was, you know, up on the third floor of Mr. Rochester's abode. It was, you know, times where she was considering what she wanted and looking out on the world and seeing that she was limited. And she acknowledged that, which I think is really wise and looked out and saw that there was so much more that she wanted to experience and felt that she wanted to meet these new people. And I think as we're, you know, seniors in high school deciding what we want to do with our lives, we also go through that same experience of looking out, you know, from our place in Raleigh, North Carolina and looking at the world and seeing where we want to go next, the people that we want to meet and experience and help, which is something that Jane, she was very driven to help people and teach and just better not only herself, but others. Okay, so now we kind of want to talk about the setting, but also the plot. We all agreed that the setting drives the plot. Um, Jane travels to various houses, locations, schools, whatever you want to say. And at each place, some significant events happen and some significant changes in who she is as a character happen. So let's start off by looking at Gateshead Hall. What do y'all think about that? Well, at Gateshead, she really, she grew up and she became the person that she is. And she was challenged in so many ways. And the experience that she had there with Mrs. Reed being unkind to her and with John Reed really bullying her, she was presented a lot of doubts as she saw Georgiana be beautiful and Eliza be pure. She was presented all of these these people that had these standards for her that she couldn't live up to, which ingrained these doubts in her own mind about herself. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it also really just, the whole thing of like, at Gateshead, it really showed like the beginning of kind of, like, kind of like the gothic and supernatural element, especially with the Red Room, where it kind of like, it's a foreshadow to the supernatural events that's going to occur later on, whether it's, you know, Jane, er Jane's, you know, omens in the future and all the stuff that we meet with the supernatural and different kind of, you know, ghostly things. We really do see that, go Ga that Gateshead is kind of the beginning, the, the beginning point of this gothic element. Yeah, I think also... Um, what happened to her in the red room and how there's the ghost of Mr. Reed and how she passed out or fainted or whatever it was. And then the doctor came and then with Mr. Lloyd, um, just not, he was so rude to her with Mrs. Reed. And, um, this is the, some of the first times where she really felt as though she had other people speaking for her, but that she also learned to speak up for herself when she ended up confronting Mrs. Reed before she left. Um, and I also think it's important to look at Bessie who was her maid, nurse, whatever you want to call her. I think Bessie did have a big impact on Jane. I think she was one of the one people that helped her remain stable or somewhat stable while she was there as the only one that was somewhat nice to her. So I think Bessie played a big role in her experience at Gateshead. I agree. Even after her time with Mr. Rochester, Bessie still played a really important role in having her grow up. Bessie cared for her and to Jane, that care was so important. She was called the favorite to Bessie in a room where she had no one that would love her or deem her a favorite. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. And it just, Gateshead was just a really interesting relationship building and whatnot. But I think Lowood School was also really impactful as to her, like, as to her like growing up and learning all these new things and utilizing her newfound self-confidence as you guys mentioned earlier that she did find at Gateshead when she was trying to tell Helen to stand up, stand up for herself as she was being tormented by this evil, like the evil teacher. And Helen, she still refused to. She wanted to turn the other cheek and just forgive her for, forgive her once we saw it. And that really did play a major role in Jane's life as we see when, when Rochester was, married already and she found out in the book Jane Arn had said that she had forgiven him once she had found out 
and she was like okay with this and not really okay with it but she she forgave him she had no contempt for him and I think it just it really shows kind of the impact that Miss Temple and Helen really have on her if you guys want to discuss it further yeah I think another important thing is how much freedom she ended up experiencing because at first the school was very strict and she didn't have much freedom it wasn't super good for her but once the sickness came everyone kind of stopped paying attention to the students and they had so much freedom her and um the people she got to know would go outside and play and this just gave her that freedom and then she ends up being kind of independent when she's just willing to go walk outside by herself at night she's not scared she'll go travel just I think Lowood was the source of all that freedom and confidence in herself to go out and do things on her own. Yeah, Virginia, I love that you mentioned her independence. I think Lowood was the place that gave her her only source of confidence or self-worth in her education. So she was able to get her job, her first job as a governess, because she knew French, which was an ability that Lowood really provided to her. So Lowood was her lifeblood and her source for success later in life and how she was able to fulfill some of her ambitions so she might not have gone as far all over the world as she would have wanted to. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of the people at Lowood impacted her in significant ways. We've kind of touched on some of them, but Helen being her first friend, being a good influence, but also Helen's death made um, Jane kind of have to grow up. She had to face a friend dying, which is not going to be easy for anyone. And Miss Temple being um, an older woman, a role model, almost a mother-like figure to Jane was really important for her growth. And then Brocklehurst, again, being a not good person, not nice to her, um, calling her a liar. And just all of the words he said and the way he treated her and the other girls helped her um, with her self-confidence as well. Well, not with her self-confidence, but with gaining confidence to speak up for herself. Yeah, and she also had her friendship with Marianne Wilson, which I think showed her even after Helen got sick, she was able to branch out and meet new people and really flourish as a person. So Lowood was a really great spot for her to become a substantial young woman. And then we see a transition to Thornfield Manor where she was presented a whole slew of new challenges. So Alora, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah, Thornfield, it was, Thornfield Manor was extremely, it was a source of intense growth for Jane. She's met with this idea of first romantic love by a guy. She had never really dealt with this before, especially going to an all-girls school, like the orphan, like, all-girls school, and then, you know, living with, you know, her her um, her aunt in the beginning with her cousins. Like, she had never had this kind of, like, chance to experience this idea of, like, a romantic love instead of just, like, platonic or, like, family love. And so Rochester really kind of, when he came in, it was kind of her first first feeling of attraction to someone as he was so he was he was genuine but kind of a rude genuine and she kind of she appreciated it she appreciated it and he appreciated her as well and like the bluntness she gave with him and it really just showed um it really showed jane kind of her desire for independence and ability to stand on her own and to elevate herself she really learned through this whole thing at thornfield of kind of like what's going on and she found herself and what she wanted to do and just really tried to focus on what she wanted not what others wanted which I think was has been really hard for her as she tried to do what she thought was best for others and now she's really seeing that her passions and her desires matter and she shouldn't settle for for someone else yeah I also she definitely did focus on herself and what she wanted but she was also very kind she helped Adele tremendously with her education and all of that she befriended Mrs. Fairfax which I think it's interesting how concerned she was um, with what Mrs. Fairfax thought of her when she saw 
um, Jane and Rochester kiss before they were married. She was so scared that Mrs. Fairfax was going to judge her. And that just shows how much of an influence Mrs. Fairfax had on her. She um, valued her opinion a lot. Um, also, her interactions with all the other characters while she was there. Um, Mr. Was it Mr. Mason or just Mason? I don't know. Anyways, um, and Blanche and Bertha and Grace Poole and just all the mysteries that were there. She had to navigate all of those while still dealing with all of the inner conflict, which was caused by some of those characters, but also um, the conflict they caused in themselves. And with the realization that Rochester was already married and finding out about Bertha, that was big for her. I think that was kind of a... Um, spiritual pivot point she started really turning to the lord and asking for guidance which obviously helps a ton in everyone's personal growth um so i think that's a big thing to note yeah i think her spiritual growth was so important with her coming to morehouse even after that she was faced with family but she still had her relationship with the lord as when she realized that mr rochester was not going to be a secure marriage for her at the time she was you know, left only with the Lord. She had that love fall through that romantic relationship that she developed was no longer holding up for her. So she was really required to consider the things that Helen had told her way back when she was going to Lowood school and looking at forgiveness. And, you know, Jane flourished so much when she accepted that principle of forgiveness, when she tried to have Mrs. Reed reconcile their differences, though Mrs. Reed wouldn't comply she tried and she allowed herself to forgive and she allowed herself to forgive Mrs. Mr. Rochester, like Alora noted earlier in the conversation. She was able to grow as a person because she didn't let the constraints of other people hold her back. Yeah, definitely. I think we even see like more of this in the idea of like finding her own independence and finding value in herself, but also this idea of home as, I mean, when Jane comes back from her long trip with uh, like being with her aunt and her cousins and trying to like just trying to bask in like the idea of family and kind of growing closer to them a little bit and kind of re like reconciliation with her cousins. Um, when she comes back, she notes that this is kind of Thornfield has is her home. How she like longed for home. This has been her home. And she's always had, she's had this issue of not kind of not feeling like home in, in the sense of comfort and relaxation. And she really did find that with Rochester and with Adele and just all the people that were there as well. And who she adored and loved but we even see this more as she actually goes to the Moore house and meets people who turn out to actually be her family which was definitely a plot twist how it turns out they were actually all cousins this idea of finding an actual family but before that not even knowing they were actually like blood kin that they kind of developed this relationship and kind of built, built each other up and it was just extremely amazing to watch and i'm sure you guys have something to add yeah at Morehouse with her all of her encounters with sinjin I think he adds a ton to the conflict, especially her internal conflict, trying to figure out how to deal with family, love, um, money, just all of these things. And even the religious aspect of it, he's supposed to be this great saint, um, religious leader who's trying to share the gospel, be a missionary, and yet he's forcing her and almost guilting her into doing things because of what the Bible says, even though he's totally misconstruing everything um, that he's saying about the Bible. So he adds a ton to the conflict, but I also think Diana and what was the other one's name? Um, um oh man. I, the other two so cousins. cousins. Yeah, there's so many names. I think it was um, Mary, right? Mary Rivers. Yeah. 
So just her relationships with them, I think they ended up being great friends. They were happy for her when um, they found out she was actually engaged to Rochester at the end. And so being at the Morehouse, she did face a lot of conflict, but I think she also did gain two really great relationships. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think another really important thing to note, one of my favorite parts that was really gothic and embodied where this novel is in the span of history and in Bronte's life and her style of writing was when Jane was being pressured to marry St. John, yet she heard Rochester's voice. And, you know, this connects to the whole Bronte family's slew of writings in Withering Heights, where there's so many supernatural elements, and the idea of lovers like Heathcliff and Catherine summoning each other and having these moments of reconciliation despite chaos in the world. And so I think in this moment, when Jane is amongst family in a new home, and she's being pressured, she takes the knowledge of Rochester's love and all of this experience that she's had from being educated and finding friends and finding her family to make strong decisions and know her worth at this point. So that's really the pinnacle of Jane being the most authentic that she can. Yeah, so then from here she moves on to Ferndean. Well, she originally tries to go back to Thornsfield, but then sees it's completely burnt down and she finds out that Bertha actually set fire to it um, several months back and in the fire um Rochester lost his hand and his eyesight so she goes and um finds him at Ferndean and he's living there um with his servants or maids whatever you want to call them um John and Mary and here she's reunited with her love so much happens um they are quickly able to rekindle that spark um they kind of resolve their conflict and then they end up deciding to get married what do yeah, y'all think? They both grew so much. I mean, Rochester became a better person, more honest with himself, um, more aware of his past. And Jane became independent. She knew what she wanted at that point, and she wasn't pressured into something because of money. She now had her fortune. Or because she was desperate for love, she now had her family. So at this point, Jane was really available to whatever the Lord wanted to bless her with, which happened to be Rochester. Yeah, definitely. It really just showed how she had finally reached um, the growth that she wanted to. She wa- she reached the equal equal footing that she had desired this whole time, and just to be with Rochester, she didn't want to be in debt to him. And now they were they were equals um, in in a great sense, especially uh, after all they had gone through. They had really come to see each other eye to eye, not on one being on a pedestal. And it just shows how working towards something that you strive for and to gain, you know whether it's higher social status or to build your own and you have your own good foundation and footing, it can pay off if you really work hard. And Jane really did work hard and she really did earn it. And I think it just shows that hard work does pay off, even if it does take time. And it's great. I mean, even at the end, Rochester gains a little bit of a sight back to see his, his newborn son. I mean, it's just this idea of, of a new beginning and a new start for both of them. And it's just great to see this rebirth and rekindling, as you guys mentioned, of their relationship. All right, so some of the symbols were really important in the book as well. So we saw the red room that Jane was locked in when she was just a young girl with Mrs. Reed when she had her little altercation with John Reed. And this red room symbolized not only Jane being confined and locked in, but also her being locked out. So as she was stuck in this room, she was locked out from society and from being with this family that should have really accepted her because she was you know, left in Mrs. Reed's care and was supposed to be treated as if she was one of Mrs. Reed's own children. And so this red room was really a place where she was sent to be banished and a representation of the fact that she was unloved and neglected by Mrs. Reed. 
But in the same way, it was also a place where she was just locked in. She was confined. She was locked with her thoughts, with these consuming feelings that she was not good enough, that she was frail. As she looked in the mirror, she saw someone that wasn't beautiful in her own eyes, which she obviously progressed out of as she grew and was loved by her friends and by Mr. Rochester temporarily. Um, and another great symbol that we can talk about was the splitting of the chestnut tree under which Mr. Rochester and Jane sat to talk about their marriage and proposal. So this tree split during a time that, you know, there was some trouble with the idea of Jane getting married. She had dreams that were warning her that the marriage wouldn't last. They had trouble planning it and friendships that she once had fell out because of the marriage that was to come. And so the splitting of the chestnut tree was a way for Jane to have seen that the marriage wasn't going to happen, that her and Mr. Rochester were not to be joined together as a whole living aggregate at that time. Okay, so one thing that I think is really cool to look at that we can look at right now is the style of the novel. The way Charlotte writes this um, through the narrator of Jane is very descriptive and formal, which is interesting considering the fact that she is a female who is not expected to have a super great education, but um, with all of the details, it shows that Jane is very intuitive and she's aware of what's going on and what's going on in her surroundings and she remembers it because it's important to her and there's a ton of long sentences with a lot of punctuation and this just shows um jane's formality of speech and the way she thinks through things and how educated she is um, which also really adds to her character i don't think if this was written with a different style less formal less details i don't think we would have such strong feelings about jane and how strong of a woman she is just through that um and also in the way that she speaks and a lot of the way that um other characters speak to her there's a ton of morality woven into so many of the sentences um and that's something we've looked at a couple times but just the way that charlotte writes this makes jane's character stand out even more as being a educated woman who's not like everyone else who sets herself apart with the way that she speaks and the way that she carries herself. So now we're going to dive into some of the themes of Jane Eyre. We each have come up with one that we think is significant to the novel as a whole. I want to start by looking at um, the idea of family. This is something that Jane longs for throughout the entire novel. In the beginning, she never feels like she even truly has a family because her parents have died. She's alone with the Reeds who don't even treat her like family. She feels like she's constantly on the outside, so she just wants that family. And then when she goes to school, she kind of gets a family sort of feel with Miss Temple and Helen. But again, it's not, it's obviously not a true family, the family that she's wanting. And then she goes to Thornfield and she's kind of in their family but it's again not a perfect family there's a lot of it doesn't look how she thought a family would look and so again she's just wanting that and then when she leaves she finally meets the rivers and finds out that they're family and she is so excited about that I was so happy for her but then of course St. John Sinjin whatever we want to call him kind of ruins that for her like she finally was gonna have a family and she wanted to like give them her money and she was so excited about it and she's finally going to get what she wanted and then he kind of just ruined it and was kind of a creep almost um trying to marry his cousin which that's just obviously not what we want our families to look like um 
But again, that's just something, a desire she had throughout the entire novel that she couldn't seem to get. It caused a lot of conflict, but I think in the end, she ended up in the best position she could be with Rochester, um, kind of having Adele as almost a daughter type figure and just finally getting some sense of family. Virginia, I think that's perfect. And one of the most important traits that family shares is love, which is another really big theme throughout the entire novel of Jane Eyre. It's the battle between, it's really a, a man versus self in a lot of cases where Jane's battling loving herself, but also, you know, man versus her surroundings, loving others and, and knowing how to be loved because she had never experienced the family that Virginia talked about, you know, that she lacked. And she didn't know what true, genuine, and pure love looked like. So a lot of cases, she would accept a sort of toxic love that wasn't genuine and that was coded with these ulterior motives with Mr. Rochester um, because he really struggled to love himself. And I think that was something that we saw throughout the entire novel with Mr. Mr. Rochester's character arc of him not being able to accept his past or the rejection that he faced from being the family outcast. And him and Jane were bonded in this way where they were both cast out from the family that they were left with, with you know Jane not having the reeds love her and give her what she was looking for as a young girl. So she was really experiencing a conflict in knowing how to love herself and love others. And as we follow her through the stages of growing up, we see her love grow as it reaches a peak with Mrs. Temple and with Helen, she loves those friends dearly. Even though they're not family, they're her chosen family for as long as she gets them. And of course, both leave her life at some point with Mrs. Temple leaving and getting married so she doesn't help Lowood anymore. And Helen passing away, she experiences this brief spout of love, which teaches her what good true love looks like. And with Mr. Rochester, that's her first taste of romantic love. And that's, you know, a situation in which she's sort of manipulated. She's so desperate for love that she just caves in completely to whatever he asks her to do. And as she moves on from Mr. Rochester with that marriage not occurring, she, you know, goes to Sinjin and she sees that he has this power over her. And I think she's smart enough to realize that he can basically tell her to do whatever he wants and she'll do it. And she almost snaps when she realizes how to love herself and makes this shift with her mentality where she learns that she's valuable and that she doesn't need to follow him to an entirely different country. Of course, as Virginia mentioned, that's her cousin and she absolutely should not marry him. Um, but, you know, she finds love in the peace of the Lord and finds love in herself so that she can progress and become a well-rounded whole person. Yeah, that was that was great, Nicole and Virginia. Those themes are so important. However, another theme that I really saw as like extremely important and just relevant through the whole story was the issue of social status. We first see this with her parents, actually. Um, her mother was a she lived. She was part of the wealthy Reed family, and she married down 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 a station. And her grandmother wrote her out of the will because she married down, and that just kind of led to her father her father and mother dying of typhus because he was helping the poor and he was so selfless and like this amazing man. And social status really stems like this idea of social status really plagues through the whole entire novel as it really affects people's views on each other and her view on herself. It's the reason why her aunt has so much disdain towards her as she fought for her mother and like fought for her and why she married him out of love. And it was just so interesting to watch it play through and how it affected her relationship with Jane throughout the whole novel. It was just insane. Not to mention the idea of social status with the idea of Blanche Ingram as a foil to Jane. You know, Jane thought she was plain, she was not very, she was lowly in social class. She wasn't as, you know, 
beautiful and like goddess-like as she believed Blanche was. And this really drove, dro drove Jane to fight and find a way to stand independently and to raise herself in social class. She didn't, want, she didn't want to marry up like her father did. She wanted to marry and be equals with her partner. She didn't want to be in debt to her husband. She didn't want to be in debt to Mr. Rochester, which is really what marked her to leave after their failed, failed marriage attempt. And it's just extremely interesting. We see this idea of social status throughout the whole thing. And she, she isn't, Jane isn't truly satisfied until she is on equal footing. And this idea of social status really did play a major role from beginning to end. And it really affected her life and her view on others and others view it on, view on, her, on herself. And I really think it's just extremely interesting and just something to really think about. Okay, so when you're reading Jane Eyre, you can see a lot of allusions and ties to different literature and history and even connect it to today and the stuff we're facing in our lives. So one big thing that we see is there are a ton of biblical allusions. Um, as we said earlier about um, Charlotte's father being a priest, she incorporates a lot of her biblical knowledge into her writing. Um, even in the beginning when she's saying what her favorite book is, she says it's the Bible and Helen speaks godly wisdom into Jane. And, J and Jane, when she's struggling, goes to the Lord in prayer. And then St. John um, is trying to impart biblical messages, even though he does it kind of in a wrong way. Um, there's still just a lot of ties to the Bible and connections. Um, when Jane is talking to Rochester about getting married she um references adam and eve being in one flesh um yeah there's just a ton of ties to the bible yeah and some of the diction that's used too by mr rochester he uses the phrase a court of communion connecting him and jane and i think that speaks not only to the biblical illusion but also to mr rochester's character he was very assertive and dominant and saw himself as a strong figure despite all the struggles he'd went through with his family and his you know estranged wife and so, you know, by using this diction, he's really showing us his character by showing that he almost wants Jane to worship him. He wants someone that's going to fix his problems and elevate him and make him feel like a complete man again, regardless of if it's in the sight of God. And, you know, Jane tells him during his, his questioning of if he can be redeemed that he needs to really take up his concerns with the Lord and ask for forgiveness, which he doesn't necessarily heed in the way that he probably should or in the way that Jane does when she's struggling. Yeah, definitely. I think the biblical allusions are just extremely interesting, and it's just it's great to see them with like throughout the novel, and even the literature like allusions, especially like as we go through. Like I feel like Cinderella and Anne Green Gables are just great examples of some literary allusions. Like Cinderella, how she's a hard, she's the hardworking nature of Jane. Like she was kind of destined for riches through the money of her uncle, but she didn't know that till extremely like, later on, and she didn't even get it till. Right, right before she went back to um, Rochester and they ended up getting married. But she didn't even want to get married until she had her own, you know, her own standing, which is extremely interesting. And then Anne and Green Gables, it, it, it's the same way as it follows the journey from a teen to adult, from teen, like, teen to a, adulthood and marriage as we see with, you know, uh, Jane and Rochester. But it also deals with gender norms and striving to defy them. As they both grew up like in a foster home, Anne was kind of abused and forced to be a mother, not to allow her to be a child. And like followed her life's journeys and they both held similar positions and so this idea was just extremely like the themes that we saw in jane Eyre were definitely uh repeated and repeated in anna green gables just in a darker tone 
Yeah, I love that you mentioned Anne's struggle for, you know, femininity and finding out how to be her own person, because I think that really relates to um, the character Joe March in Little Woman, too, which, you know, connects to some of NRC's students. As we just saw Little Woman put on by the Squire Theater, I think that Joe March's rebellious spirit really reflects Jane's and her ability to, you know, strive to be her own person and defy what culture tells her to be and defy the standards of class that Jane faces. All right, so another really important allusion that we see throughout Jane Eyre is to history. Um, and so a connection that I saw really prevalent was in Susan B. Anthony's International Council of Women to the way that Jane is really, you know, considered one of the first feminist icons in literature. Um, she was willing to stand up for herself and question what it means to be a woman and, you know, find pride in the person that she is despite the challenges presented by these beautiful women like Georgiana or Blanche Ingram. And so, you know, women that advocated for rights and for a voice really connect to the person that Jane is portrayed to be. Yeah, and with history, and then today, there's still so many connections. I think it's easy for a lot of girls to be able to read about Jane and see um, parts of them, themselves in her. Um, she struggled with comparison, comparing herself to um, Blanche and just wanting to feel like she was beautiful in that aspect, um, trying to find her voice. That's something Jane was able to do. She was able to stick up for herself and self-advocate and just make her opinions and um, her voice known and heard. And she's also very skeptical but desiring of love, which is, I think, something that all of us, especially at this age, um, can relate to. We want to be loved. We want to experience love. But we're also skeptical of it because we know that it can end in heartbreak. Um, so that's something Jane faces as well. And just so much inner conflict, trying to figure out what to do, where to go, what to do with our lives. Um, just, again, this novel can be connected to so many different aspects of our lives. And it's really cool to read through with um, eyes that are looking for ways to change your life. Okay, so now to test our knowledge, we're going to take a little quiz. We're going to take turns asking each other, and obviously we have to answer. And I would encourage you all to test your knowledge as well and see if you know the answers as we go through these. Okay, Virginia, what are the names of the servants who care for Rochester at Ferndean? John and Mary, right? That's right. That's perfect. Okay, what character is in love with Rosamond? Um, St. John, St. John, still don't really know which yeah. one it's supposed to be. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Okay, Laura, who set the fire in Rochester's bedroom? Bertha, which is funny because like we thought it was, you know, um, Grace Poole for exactly. so long. Exactly, yes. And it was Bertha the whole time. Perfect. Okay, so Nicole, I have some questions for you. What has just happened to Mr. Mason the first time we encounter him? He was stabbed, and that's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing with the future conflict with Jane's marriage to Rochester, which didn't actually happen. Yeah. And then our next question for you, Nicole, is which character is based on the Reverend Karis Wilson, a figure from Charlotte Bronte's childhood? Mr. Brocklehurst. Okay, Virginia, I have a question for you. Where did Rochester marry Bertha Mason? Jamaica, which in my opinion is kind of random and doesn't seem to have anything to do with the rest of the novel, but that's okay. All right, Alora, you're now in the hot seat. Um, what does Rochester lose in the fire at Thornfield? Sadly, he loses a hand and his eyesight, which he later gets back his eyesight apparently when he gets to see his, you know, firstborn son, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, which teacher is kind to Jane at Lowood? Miss Temple was really kind to uh, Jane and Helen, and she was just so sweet to them. I really, I really liked Miss Temple. Yeah, I loved Miss Temple. Miss Temple. Um, all right, Nicole. Last question is for you. 
With whom does Jane believe Rochester is in love with for most of her time at Thornfield? That was Blanche Ingram, and she was one of the first people that Jane really compared herself to and struggled to find her femininity because of just, you know, that jealousy with Mm -hmm. Rochester. And I honestly thought it was so funny when um, Rochester was in the disguise and told her, like, oh, we're not going to get married. (laughs) That really made me laugh. All right, we did pretty good. Hopefully you all did good as well maybe we moved a little bit fast but we just know our stuff yeah you do really know your Jane Eyre (laughs) all right to wrap up our time um you might have already made your decision as to whether or not you want to read Jane Eyre based on what we said and what's been talked about but we do kind of want to give our final thoughts and recommend this book to you all I would recommend this book to anyone, especially young females that are questioning where they want to go in life and who they want to become and are looking to find, you know, solid relationships and friendships and just develop a family, even outside of the family that they're born into. As I think Jane really finds herself in all the people that she meets and the mentorship relationships that she has. Um, And I think I want to highlight, you know, as we close today, the character of Helen, as I believe that especially us as Christians can learn a lot from the theology that Helen taught to Jane. And I think this book really encompasses a good learning experience where Helen was encouraging forgiveness and moving forward, even despite challenges. Um, And I think she was really a star character in the novel. Yeah, I would recommend the book as well to anyone who loves a good romance, mystery, drama. It has all of that. I will say that it is a long read, so you need to have time for it. Don't expect to just sit down and breeze through it. Um, as there's so many things to unpack and think about, um, there's going to be a lot of ref- reflection following it. So yeah, if you are into that sort of thing and like Nicole said, um, are really investigating identity and femininity and other subjects like that, then this is a great book for you. I definitely agree with like, what both Virginia and Nicole have said. Um, but I really think this is a really great book for those of like juniors and seniors. I think everyone should read it, but more specifically those who are kind of getting ready to make all these big life decisions by going to like, okay, where am I applying to college? Like what do I want to do with my life? And I really think that this is, this book is great for just young minds and teenagers like as are like as old as like, you know, us as 17, 18, even 16 year olds. And I think it's just amazing as it really shows how you should you should not let anyone walk over you. Like Jane is very determined of standing up for herself and not letting anyone like bully her and pull her, hold her down. And she doesn't want to feel in debt to anyone. She wants to be able to stand on her own two feet and like just make a living on her own and just be independent as, as independent as possible, which I feel like independence is a great thing, especially for young adults. And some of us are adults already. And I think this book is just really amazing to help further this idea and really show us how Jane, even though she's a fictional character, but how Jane went through her life learning all of these lessons and just being there for herself and standing up for herself, it shows us how we can do that and exemplify just the amazing outcomes of standing up for ourselves and being independent. So this book is really amazing. Definitely should read it. It's not super quick and easy as Virginia mentioned, but I do believe that it's an amazing book and I think think all of you guys should read it. All right, that's all we have for you today. Again, this was Alora, Nicole, and Virginia with Jane Jane on on the the air. air. Thank you all for listening.